It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Oh boy, Troy's on the board. Hide the women and children. Between being on the board and having a cold, this may not be an award-winning performance, no doubt. Well, what a last... What has it been now? What a last 20 hours that we've had. Go back to yesterday, Cal Eldred and Mike Matheny, Gonzo in Kansas City. Southwest Airlines is offering $29 flights right now. College game day has arrived in Lawrence. And uh, by the way, Taylor Bratt has signaled the cat signal in the last hour. One of these things is not like the other. The $29 uh, Southwest Airlines. Well, to be honest with you, in my prep right before the show, I like to cram on a few things just to see if I'm missing a nugget or two. Sure. In any sort of monologue I might have in the show, which I might have one here in just a second. Depends where the conversation goes. But I was looking at the $29 flights. I was like, what can I get out of Kansas City? Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love any opportunity I can get to fly out of MHK. Um, but when I see $29, right. I'm like, I got to check it out. And uh, is, it the, is it the Mike Matheny special? The Cal Eldred special? When you want to get away? Well, we wanted to get away from those two. Well, yeah. I'm just saying get them out of town. They offered Chicago. I was like, yeah, okay. I'm okay mm-hmm. with Chicago, uh, but there's like cheaper flights as well to like New York City and New Orleans, and that's there. You're talking my language. There you go. But no, it's also you know New York City, January New York City. I've I've done that before. Uh, you know, it depends, but it's usually pretty cold, as it would be here probably. Right now, New Orleans, I think would be pretty nice. Although humidity, humidity is a thing in New Orleans. It sticks around for pretty much year round. Right. Yeah, that's kind of a given where it's located. Although when I went to my cousin's wedding in New Orleans in uh, April, they're like, you're here the one week. We don't have any humidity. The weather was gorgeous. But I'm also itching to travel. And I, I, I wanted to, I was supposed to go to the game up in Ames. That fell through. Uh-oh. Uh, that, that's, on, that's on me, really. Uh, so I'm just going to... Uh, Hang out with my girlfriend this weekend, but um, I need to get somewhere. But it's hard to – I can't do it during football season. You, you can't wait for a bowl game? Well, you know, I've been to all the bowl destinations. Ah, okay. Multi, I mean, multiple times. Valid. What about trying to get down to the men's basketball tournament that comes up at Thanksgiving? <sighs> I wish. <laughs> Wait, where where is that again? Oh, Cayman Islands. Yeah, see, I it, do I need a passport for the? Cayman? I'm pretty sure yeah, I need you, a passport. You would for need the Cayman a passport. Island. See, and I don't have a. I don't honestly, I don't have a passport. Do you realize how much fun I got made of in the fact that I did not have a passport until going to Cancun in 2019? And it's like, guys, we never leave the country. Yeah, the Cayman Islands are British, so yeah, I would need a need a passport. No, I don't have one. I, okay, I I need to get one. I know I want to do some international traveling for mm-hmm. sure. I don't want to wait till I like retired or anything. My uncle was telling me the best starter when it comes to traveling internationally, overseas or whatever, the best starter is Italy. Hmm. Italy is supposedly easy to get around and it's cheap. It's cheap for tourists. And the food's amazing. Sure. It's got a ton of history and sights. Sure. You can bounce around to different cities. It's not too difficult. So Italy is a great place to start apparently. Mm-hmm. But so I'll, I'll 
Maybe that will have to be the starter. And of course, I mean, it's it's easy to go to Mexico. I mean, there's resorts everywhere, and Cancun would probably be the place I want to go see the uh, the Aztec landmarks. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing about going down there. I would have liked more time. Absolutely would have. I mean, we had one day essentially that we could spend doing something other than basketball, and so that day wound up being taking full accounting of the ocean. Other than that. Yeah, I didn't get the chance to get out and see the Aztec ruins, which I would have liked to have spent some time on that. For Taylor Bratt's cat signal, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, Unless I missed somebody's commitment or announcing a date on commitment on social media, I've not seen anything. So hopefully we'll have that uh, news sooner or later, maybe by 6 o'clock. Which, by the way, we're already like completely jam-packed with today's show. In the second hour, we're going to hear from Curry Sexton at 510. Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register. We're going to talk Iowa State Cyclones with him at 525. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. I, I emailed him yesterday and I was like, hey, dog, um, we are short with volleyball. He's like, no problemo. Thursday, same time, let's do it. Let's talk Chiefs Raiders and also Chiefs Buccaneers. And, and uh, I... I it's kind of like the Chiefs are on kind of like a K-State run right now where a letdown and then a bounce back against a what we thought was a solid team, but at least a name team with a name quarterback or a name coach. It was enough of a, a, a strong performance by the Chiefs that Giselle was divorcing Tom. That's a stretch, I know. That's whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's what I don't care about, his personal <laughs> life. It sounds like a really bland personal life. You're married to a supermodel, dude. Well, yes, yeah. I mean, good for him, but his Blame whole life her, is football. Yeah. I don't yeah. care about the family. Um, what else was there? What was I mentioning? Oh, yeah, uh, do you want to get your two cents out about the two firings? Because I know this is uh, – and I can't wait for this to end, by the way, but go ahead. The, the Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, the honest-to-God truth is that yesterday I was trying to nap off this cold. So – it was the first thing that I noticed this morning, thanks to our compatriot, David G. It came out late last night. Yeah, yeah. Hours after the game. And so, uh, yeah, David yeah, David, over. Yeah. David, apparently doing baby work already. Newborn coverage. I'm sure he's... Made uh, sure that he let me know. Let's see. Do him a math here. I'm, I, I bet they're home by now. I think that's a given, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't think he's coming into work. No. Nope. Next which, week, though. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, again... He's got the time. So, all right. So, Troy, how long is it going to take for uh, the Royals now to get back into contention? Yeah, that's a great question. Piccolo today in his press conference made some noises that, well, they're not going to probably dump a lot into free agency this coming season. And he made it sound like there might be more of a rebuild coming than what all of us expect, even though this core performed all right as a unit together during the course of the season they had their ups their downs but more downs than ups more downs than ups but what do you expect when essentially your lineup is all rookies at a point I mean yesterday afternoon the lineup to finish the season was all rookies guys that had less than a full year of service and I don't know that the development there is as much the issue as it is figuring out just what in the world's going on with the pitching staff. 
it will be interesting to watch and follow, no doubt. I don't see that there's that much of a rebuild yet behind it, but Piccolo made noises like there might still need to be because there was disappointment in some areas. We'll see. You know, that's you're you're making that discussion just two weeks into really your tenure. And okay, let's let's see how this all pans out. I'm gonna ask you the it's, same it's question. It's a tough call. Yeah, when new managers hired, whatnot, I'm gonna ask you the same question. How long is it gonna take to be back in yeah. contention? That's that's all I wanna know. That that's gonna be a big question mark, and it will be one to watch as to who uh who gets the gig right now uh two coaches on staff are mentioned as possibles pedro Grifol, vance wilson uh who do you want you're the expert i haven't given it that much thought um were interesting surprised were you were you in any way surprised about any of the fire uh, no call, of course cal i mean no. jesus but mike Matheny. no was okay. not surprised at all and again this goes back to something that i've pointed out on this show before and that is Matheny's greatest success in St. Louis came with a pre-developed roster right and as things proceeded to shift where it was more newcomers than veterans they fell out of the playoff chase he won a division title in 13 that's the only one they won he lasted there until partway through the 18 season so he had plenty of opportunities there but they progressively got worse, and that's why he was fired midway through 18. So it really does not surprise me because it, it, it's oil and water to ask him to do what he had to do this year. You know what? Um, you already have a deep voice. Somehow your voice is deeper with that cold. How about that? Great. It's not terrible. I know. I can tell, no. tell a slight difference. Yeah. A slight difference. Yeah. Okay, so – well. Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, I, I think maybe next week we should revisit that conversation because Absolutely. I'm sure by that time when we talk again Tuesday or whatever that you'll have some dudes on your radar, and I'd love to hear who you think should be that next manager. I did almost fall out of my chair when I saw someone tweet out a name that I never would have connected to it because it's obscure enough in in most baseball people's, most baseball fans' Uh, view would you believe a former assistant at unc oh yeah current bench coach for the uh, giants oh really yeah spent four years as an assistant hmm. uh at, at northern colorado kai correa and i was like okay i did not see that one coming no that that was not a name i expected to see in the midst of this list well i want to transition now because this might be my only chance to really talk about this just amongst us or me just kind of go through a monologue of of my thoughts about the game Saturday against Iowa State um the marquee matchup is is my big thought this is no secret this will be a big topic as well on Powercat game day on Saturday and that is K-State's rushing offense against Iowa State's rushing defense can K-State really a matter just really K-State's offense against their uh, Iowa State's defense can K-State move the football it's already going to be tough. Uh, yes, they will, of course, but can they get it done consistently? How much can K-State win in the running game against their rushing defense? Iowa State is very good defensively. They are 3-2 and two overall and 0-2 oh and in Big 12 play. Statistically, their offense, worse than the conference. Statistically, special teams, Iowa State, 
worst in the conference. Now, under Matt Campbell, their special teams have never been good. That's been a huge complaint from Iowa State fans over the last few years, even going back you know, three or four years, about hiring somebody that can be full-time special teams because it's really been lacking. But defensively, Iowa State pretty much across the board statistically is the best in the Big 12. The best defense K-State's played this year, and we'll see how it goes, but it could be the best defense they do play this year. It just depends on, of course, how things shape out the rest of the year. But as of right now, Iowa State leads the Big 12. Total defense, scoring defense, rushing defense, pass defense. That's pretty good. Obviously pretty good. And the Big 12 already has some pretty good defenses. I went into the year thinking, man, does everybody just have a great defensive line? Well, there's a lot of teams that do. And there's a lot of teams that have pretty good defenses, including K-State. I mean, I feel like K-State has done a pretty good job defensively. And there's some statistics are not even in the top half of the Big 12. It's surprising to look at. But if you just watch the games, K-State has been doing a good job defensively. But Iowa State is only allowing 83 yards a game on the ground. K-State is first in the conference, averaging 267 on the ground. That's 6.1 yards per carry. Iowa State's only allowing 2.9 yards a carry. I mean, you want to talk about a battle that is going to take place. K-State's offensive line will have to have their best game this season. It has to be against this Iowa State front seven. Well, they play a 3-3. They're like K-State. They are a 3-3 stack. And, man, they've been good against the run. A great example of that is Jalen Daniels for the Kansas Jayhawks. Other than game number one, the next three games after their first contest against Tennessee Tech, Jalen Daniels has been running all over the yard. As a matter of fact, in the first five games, here is Jalen Daniels' yards per carry. 9.7. 7.1, 10.3, 7.5, and then 1.1. Ouch. That was nine yards on eight carries, who was at one point, if he asked Vegas, for about two or three weeks, was the Big 12's front runner to win the Heisman Trophy. Yes, again, super early. But uh, that's just the way KU and Jalen Daniels have been trending. They're 5-0. But I still believe Iowa State will have a tough time stopping both Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. K-State's best chance, of course, you're going to see some QB power, fullbacks, and that's what really worked. That was a big adjustment they made, right, against Texas Tech. That's what worked. But also when you keep a defense guessing on who's going to take the football, is it going to be Adrian who keeps it, or is Deuce Vaughn going to take the handoff? I love that guessing game if the defense is aligned, of course, for that read. Is that one outside linebacker or defensive end or whoever has to make a decision? And boy, if you're in that in that player's shoes, what a tough decision that is. Do I go after Adrian Martinez, who's just been running all over the place last two games, or Deuce Vaughn, who's an All-American and is arguably the best running back in the country? Iowa State's defense is also really good at taking the ball away. Nine takeaways a game, five of those are fumbles, and K-State's got to hang on to that football. And by the way, second half defense for Iowa State has been incredible. 
this season through five games, 4.2 points allowed in the second half. They've shut out three out of five teams, and they're allowing only 95 yards per game in the second half. Baylor was a slightly an exception, scoring 14 points in the second half. This is going to be a battle, but I there's no way. I do not see K-State being handcuffed in the running game all game, but the Cats will have to throw it. They are going to have to throw it more than they did against Texas Tech. All right, let's get to a break, and when we come back, uh, so no DG, no Travion. I had to go searching for a quality opponent as Troy looks to redeem himself in Do They Know It? And it's coming up next. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Oh boy, Troy's on the board. Hide the women and children. Between being on the board and having a cold, this may not be an award winning performance, no doubt. Well, what a last, what has it been now? What a last 20 hours that we've had. Go back to yesterday, Cal Eldred and Mike Matheny, Gonzo in Kansas City. Southwest Airlines is offering $29 flights right now. College game day has arrived in Lawrence. And uh, by the way, Taylor Bratt has signaled the cat signal in the last hour. One of these things is not like the other. The $29 uh, Southwest Airlines. Well, to be honest with you, in my prep right before the show, I like to cram on a few things just to see if I'm missing a nugget or two sure. in any sort of monologue I might have in the show, which I might have one here in just a second. Depends where the conversation goes. But I was looking at the $29 flights. I was like, what can I get out of Kansas City? Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love any opportunity I can get to fly out of MHK. Um, but when I see $29, right. I'm like, I got to check it out. And uh, is, it the, is it the Mike Matheny special? The Cal Eldred special, when you want to get away? Well, we wanted to get away from those two. Well, yeah, I'm just saying get them out of town. They offered Chicago. I was like, yeah, okay. I'm mm-hmm. okay with Chicago. Uh, but there's like cheaper flights as well to like New York City and New Orleans. And that's, there you're talking my language. There you go. But no, it's also, you know, New York City, January, New York City. I've, I've done that before. Uh, you know, it depends, but it's usually pretty cold, as it would be here probably. Right. Now, New Orleans, I think, would be pretty nice. Although, humidity. Humidity is a thing in New Orleans. It sticks around for pretty much year-round. Right. Yeah, that's kind of a given where it's located. Although, when I went to my cousin's wedding in New Orleans in uh, April, they're like, you're here the one week. We don't have any humidity. The weather was gorgeous. But I'm also itching to travel. And I, I, I wanted to, I was supposed to go to the game up in Ames. That fell through. Uh-oh. Uh, that, that's on that's on me, really. Uh, so I'm just going to uh, hang out with my girlfriend this weekend. But um, I need to get somewhere. But it's hard. to. I can't do it during football season. You, you can't wait for a bowl game? Well, you know, I've been to all the bowl destinations. Ah, okay. Multi- I mean, multiple times. Valid. What about trying to get down to the men's basketball tournament that comes up at Thanksgiving? I wish. <laughs> Wait, where where is that again? Oh, Cayman Islands. Yeah, see, I, it, 
Do I need a passport for the Cayman? I'm pretty sure yeah, I need you, a passport you would for the need Cayman a passport. Island. See, and I don't have a I don't honestly I don't have a passport. Do you realize how much fun I got made of in the fact that I did not have a passport until going to Cancun in 2019? And it's like, guys, we never leave the country. Yeah, the Cayman Islands are British. So yeah, I would need a need a passport. No, I don't have one. I Okay. I I need to get one. I know I don't want to do some international traveling for mm-hmm. sure. I don't want to wait till I like retired or anything. My uncle was telling me the best starter when it comes to traveling internationally, overseas or whatever, the best starter is Italy. Hmm. Italy is supposedly easy to get around and it's cheap. It's cheap for tourists. And the food's amazing. Sure. It's got a ton of history and sights. Sure. You can bounce around to different cities. It's not too difficult. So Italy is a great place to start, apparently. Mm-hmm. But so I'll, I'll maybe that will have to be the starter. And of course, I mean it's it's easy to go to Mexico. I mean, there's resorts everywhere and Cancun would probably be the place I want to go see the uh, the Aztec landmarks. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing about going down there. I would have liked more time. Absolutely would have. I mean, we had one day, essentially, that we could spend doing something other than basketball. And so that day wound up being taking full accounting of the ocean. Other than that, yeah, I didn't get the chance to get out and see the Aztec ruins, which I would have liked to have spent some time on that. For Taylor Bratt's cat signal, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, unless I missed somebody's commitment or announcing a date on commitment on social media, I I not seen anything. So hopefully we'll have that uh, news sooner or later, maybe by 6 o'clock. Which, by the way, we're already like completely jam-packed with today's show. In the second hour, we're going to hear from Curry Sexton at 510. Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register. We're going to talk Iowa State Cyclones with him at 525. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. I, I emailed him yesterday, and I was like, hey, dog, um, we are short with volleyball. He's like, no problemo. Thursday, same time, let's do it. Let's talk Chiefs Raiders and also Chiefs Buccaneers. And and uh, I, I it's kind of like the Chiefs are on kind of like a K-State run right now where a letdown and then a bounce back against a, what we thought was a solid team, but at least a name team. With a named quarterback or a named coach. It was enough of a, a, a strong performance by the Chiefs that Giselle was divorcing Tom. That's a stretch, I know. That's whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's whatever. I don't care about his personal <laughs> life. It sounds like a really bland personal life. You're married to a supermodel, dude. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, good for him, but his bland whole life is football. Yeah. I don't yeah. care about the family. Um. What else was there? What was I mentioning? Oh, yeah. Uh, do you want to get your two cents out about the two firings? Because I know this is uh, – and I can't wait for this to end, by the way, but go ahead. The, the Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, the honest-to-God truth is that yesterday I was trying to nap off this cold. So it was the first thing that I noticed this morning thanks to our compatriot, David G. It came out late last night. Yeah. Yeah. Hours after the game. And so uh, – yeah, David. Yeah, David. Over. Yeah. David apparently doing baby work already. Newborn coverage. I'm sure he's made uh, sure that he let me know. Let's see. Do him a math here. I'm, I, I bet they're home by now. I think that's a given. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't think he's coming into work. No. Nope. Next which, week, though. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, again, it, he's got the time. So. All right. So, Troy, how long is it going to take for? Uh, the Royals now to get back into contention yeah that's a great question Piccolo today in his press conference 
made some noises that, well, they're not going to probably dump a lot into free agency this coming season. And he made it sound like there might be more of a rebuild coming than what all of us expect. Even though this core performed all right as a unit together during the course of the season, they had their ups, their downs. But more downs than ups. More downs than ups, but what do you expect when essentially your lineup is all rookies at a point? I mean, yesterday afternoon, the lineup to finish the season was all rookies. Guys that had less than a full year of service. And I don't know that the development there is as much the issue as it is figuring out just what in the world's going on with the pitching staff. It will be interesting to watch and follow, no doubt. I don't see that there's that much of a rebuild yet behind it, but Piccolo made noises like there might still need to be because there was disappointment in some areas. We'll see. You know, that's you're you're making that discussion just two weeks into really your tenure. And okay, let's let's see how this all pans out. I'm gonna ask you the it's, same it's question. It's a tough call. Yeah, when new managers hired, whatnot, I'm going to ask you the same question. How long is it going to take to be back in yeah. contention? That's that's all I want to know. That that's going to be a big question mark, and it will be one to watch as to who uh, who gets the gig. Right now, uh, two coaches on staff are mentioned as possibles: Pedro Grifol, Vance Wilson. Uh, who do you want? You're the expert. I haven't given it that much thought. Um, Interesting. Surprised? Were you were you in any way surprised about any of the fire? No. Of course, Cal. I mean, no. Jesus. But Mike Matheny. No, was okay. not surprised at all. And again, this goes back to something that I've pointed out on this show before, and that is Matheny's greatest success in St. Louis came with a pre-developed roster. Right. And as things proceeded to shift, where it was more newcomers than veterans they fell out of the playoff chase. He won a division title in 13. That's the only one they won. He lasted there until partway through the 18 season. So he had plenty of opportunities there, but they progressively got worse, and that's why he was fired midway through 18. So it really does not surprise me because it, it it's oil and water to ask him to do what he had to do this year. You know what? Um, you already have a deep voice. Somehow your voice is deeper with that cold. How about that? Great. It's not terrible. I know. I can tell, no. tell a slight difference. Yeah. A slight difference. Yeah. Okay. So, well, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, I, I think maybe next week we should revisit that conversation because Absolutely. I'm sure by that time when we talk again Tuesday or whatever that you'll have some dudes on your radar. And I'd love to hear who you think should be that next manager. I did almost fall out of my chair when I saw someone tweet out a name that I never would have connected to it because it's obscure enough in in most baseball people's most baseball fans uh, view would you believe a former assistant at UNC oh yeah current bench coach for the uh, Giants oh really yeah spent four years as an assistant hmm. uh, at, at Northern Colorado Kai Correa and I was like okay I did not see that one coming no, that, that was not a name I expected to see in the midst of this list. 
Well, I want to transition now because this might be my only chance to really talk about this just amongst us or me just kind of go through a monologue of, of my thoughts about the game Saturday against Iowa State. Um, the marquee matchup is is my big thought. This is no secret. This will be a big topic as well on PowerCat Game Day on Saturday. And that is K-State's rushing offense against Iowa State's rushing defense. Can K-State really – just really K-State's offense against their uh, Iowa State's defense. Can K-State move the football? It's already going to be tough. Uh, yes, they will, of course, but can they get it done consistently? How much can K-State win in the running game against their rushing defense? Iowa State is very good defensively. They are 3-2 and overall and 0-2 and in Big 12 play. Statistically, their offense, worse in the conference. Statistically, special teams, Iowa State, worse in the conference. Now, under Matt Campbell, their special teams have never been good. That's been a huge complaint from Iowa State fans over the last few years, even going back you know, three or four years, about hiring somebody that can be full-time special teams because it's really been lacking. But defensively, Iowa State pretty much across the board statistically is the best in the Big 12. The best defense K-State's played this year, and we'll see how it goes, but it could be the best defense they do play this year. It just depends on, of course, how things shape out the rest of the year. But as of right now, Iowa State leads the Big 12. Total defense, scoring defense, rushing defense, pass defense. That's pretty good. Obviously pretty good. And the Big 12 already has some pretty good defenses. I went into the year thinking, man, does everybody just have a great defensive line? Well, there's a lot of teams that do. And there's a lot of teams that have pretty good defenses, including K-State. I mean, I feel like K-State has done a pretty good job defensively. And there's some statistics are not even in the top half of the Big 12. It's surprising to look at, but if you just watch the games, K-State has been doing a good job defensively. But Iowa State is only allowing 83 yards a game on the ground. K-State is first in the conference, averaging 267 on the ground. That's 6.1 yards per carry. Iowa State's only allowing 2.9 yards a carry. I mean, you want to talk about a battle that is going to take place. K-State's offensive line will have to have their best game this season. It has to be against this Iowa State front seven. Well, they play a 3-3. They're like K-State. They are a 3-3 stack. And, man, they have they been good against the run. A great example of that is Jalen Daniels for the Kansas Jayhawks. Other than game number one, the next three games after their first contest against Tennessee Tech – Jalen Daniels has been running all over the yard. As a matter of fact, in the first five games, here is Jalen Daniels' yards per carry. 9.7, 7.1, 10.3, 7.5, and then 1.1. Ouch. That was nine yards on eight carries, who was at one point, if he asked Vegas, for about two or three weeks, was the Big 12's front runner to win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, yes, again, super early. But uh, just that's just the way KU and Jalen Daniels have been trending. They're five and zero. But I still believe Iowa State will have a tough time stopping both Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. K State's best chance, of course, you're going to see some QB power 
fullbacks, and that's what really worked. That was a big adjustment they made, right, against Texas Tech. That's what worked. But also when you keep a defense guessing on who's going to take the football, is it going to be Adrian who keeps it, or is Deuce Vaughn going to take the handoff? I love that guessing game if the defense is aligned, of course, for that read. Is that one outside linebacker or defensive end or whoever has to make a decision? And boy, if you're in that in that player's shoes, what a tough decision that is. Do I go after Adrian Martinez, who's just been running all over the place the last two games, or Deuce Vaughn, who's an All-American and is arguably the best running back in the country? Iowa State's defense is also really good at taking the ball away. Nine takeaways a game. Five of those are fumbles, and K-State's got to hang on to that football. And by the way, second-half defense for Iowa State has been incredible. This season through five games, 4.2 points allowed in the second half. They've shut out three out of five teams, and they're allowing only 95 yards per game in the second half. Baylor was a slightly an exception, scoring 14 points in the second half. This is going to be a battle, but I, there's no way. I do not see K-State being handcuffed in the running game all game, but the Cats will have to throw it. They are going to have to throw it more than they did against Texas Tech. All right, let's get to a break, and when we come back, uh, so no DG, no Travion. I had to go searching for a quality opponent as Troy looks to redeem himself in Do They Know It? And it's coming up next. We continue with the game. Going to be a little little pass to top of the hour with this interview that I recorded with Mitch Holtis earlier. Uh, Well, it was yesterday at his normal time, but we are off at 440 with uh, K-State Volleyball. But let's get to the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, who I spoke with yesterday. Well, lost to the Colts and then beating Tom Brady in Tampa Bay about four days after Hurricane Ian. Is the Chiefs kind of on a K-State run right now after a letdown and then a win (laughs) over a big opponent? Well, it's a nice parallel, but yeah, the Colt game looks like the Tulane game and the um, Tampa Bay win looks like the Oklahoma and Texas Tech victories. So yeah, good comp. Well, did special teams set the tone early in both of those games? Yeah, no question. Football's a sequential game. And you're thinking, gosh, will you muff a punt against the Colts? You've got 58 minutes and 50, 30 seconds to overcome it. But you let the boogeyman in the door when you muff a punt at the four-yard line to give hope to the Colts. And just the opposite for Tampa Bay, to the Chiefs win the toss into further choice to the second half. So basically what you did was steal a possession from the Buccaneers because not only – you get the ball to start the second half. When they fumble the opening kickoff, you get that possession from them, and then you score on that possession. So, again, football is, is one play is can lead to a lot of different things, and it was just interesting that that was a Kansas City kid, a former center yellow jacket, Rashad White, that fumbled that opening kickoff, played a little bit. It was actually registered at Nebraska Kearney, and Elijah Lee jumps on the football. So good old Emaw K-State Wildcat recovery, but a Kansas City area high school kid recovers a Kansas City area high school kid fumble in the NFL. That was kind of cool. Well, Mahomes had himself another one of those improvised highlights with that touchdown pass for two yards against uh, to Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the second quarter. But from your vantage point, I mean, that earned not just that, but also just the game in general over Tampa Bay, earned Mahomes 
AFC Offensive Player of the Week for the second time this year. But from your vantage point, did you see Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming back to help out Patrick Mahomes? From watching on TV, it looked like he kind of came out of nowhere and Patrick made a last-second move. Well, part of the um, hidden story here is that Clyde's finding the end zone. Now, if he's healthy and confident, which he's checking both of those boxes right now, Clyde's dangerous as an all-purpose runner, and he's got help. He doesn't have it all on his shoulders. He can tap out and let Isaiah Pacheco do some of the grimy work. But Clyde, if you look at his career, has a knack for the end zone and what to do in the red zone. So that wasn't an anomaly because if you look at his, and right now of non-kickers, Clyde's second in the National Football League with five touchdowns that even when he's been healthy and up and running and on the field, he'll find the end zone. So he's got a knack for it. Tampa Bay only running the ball six times. How how big was that for Kansas City? I mean, really early in the game to just eliminate the run play. They just went pass, pass, pass to Tampa Bay pretty much the whole game. I have no idea what they were doing. Now, my comparison of the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the 2015 Denver Broncos the bright lights of Tom Brady are so bright that it overshadows what is still, I think, the NFL's best defense, for sure the NFC's, in that Tampa Bay defense, which is a bunch of flesh eaters, which makes uh, Kansas City's performance against them on Sunday Night Football even more impressive. But uh, for the fact that um, you know Mahomes was able to just kind of manage that, it wasn't just the spectacular plays, it was the kind uh, of grinding it out against that team but the fact that then Tampa Bay throws the ball 27 straight times, they just turned it into a seven-on-seven drill. We had Nick uh, Bolton on our uh, Chiefs Kingdom show Monday night, I, and I asked him the same question. He's like, yeah, pretty much surprised that you're just not going to let Fournette be a part of the game at all, even if the Chiefs are stopping him early on. But to throw it 27 straight times when you're, I mean, you're only down two possessions was a little bit crazy to me, but it's kind of Tom Brady maybe being a little Peyton Manning-ish in 2015 of like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and you guys just you know stand down. That's what that felt like. LeJarrius Sneed made an amazing play on a blitz. I don't think Tom Brady even saw it coming where knocked the ball loose, Chris yep. Jones gets it, uh, and then Kansas City a short field, and they make it a three-score game, I believe, at that point. But uh, LeJarrius Sneed through four games. I know it's just his third year in the league, but has he really stood out to you more this season when it comes to early on in a year? No, I saw it early. I mean – now, he's still working on his coverage game. For him being a lockdown corner, he's not there yet. And he's still got that safety look to him. But he might be the best slot corner in the league from the standpoint of blitzing. You just said something that, just take a second, Mitch, in all the brilliant stuff you say, think about what you said where Tom Brady never saw it coming. Now, in 23 years, how many things has Tom Brady never saw coming? Not very many. And for um, Legeria Sneed to get to Tom Brady that fast and disguise it is an incredible weapon. Uh, he, he talking about having a knack. Sneed has a knack for that slot blitz. And to get there so fast, and usually something big and good happens for the Chiefs. Go back to the Colts game, and you'll see it again on that fourth down play. Uh, where the Colts went forward and fourth and one, and Sneed blitzed again and blew it up. The Chiefs should have had a scoop and score. But Sneed's awesome in that slot area to blitz, and then that kind of starts playing with dudes' heads. That gets into your protection. If you're in nickel, 
uh, which the Chiefs are nickel when he's in the slot and you're in the four wide or three wide, all of a sudden the quarterback's got to account for him almost like a speed rusher. So it's not, you know, you have the Max Crosby's of the world and the Von Miller's, but when your slot blitzer comes like that and can be that effective, it actually adds you a speed rusher to your weaponry and to the concern of the offense. Speaking with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtz is here on the game. So when Kansas City plays the Raiders, it, it reminds me of when K-State plays Iowa State in Farmageddon. doesn't matter what both teams are doing. It still has a big game feel to it. doesn't matter if it's a night kickoff, a morning kickoff, how the teams are doing. has a big game feel. Does Raiders week and combined with Monday Night Football to you, does it get much bigger than that? No, it's and particularly the 50th year of the GEHA field at Arrowhead Stadium. Matt McMullen, our senior team reporter, and I, we just haven't posted it yet, but we'll post it tomorrow. But it's if, if you got some time, we call it Yes, No, and Bizarro. So we take a look back at the 60-plus years of the rivalry and go the Yes games, you're going Yes, and the No games, you're going No, the uh, forgettable games of the rivalry and then the bizarre things that happen. Um, and here's, here's one note for you, Mitch. There's only five possible windows an NFL team can play in. Think about it. Like Sunday at noon, Sunday at 3.15 or 3.05 or 3.25, Sunday night, Monday night, and Thursday night. You realize the Chiefs' first five games of the year, they played in every five, each of those windows? No, I didn't. That's, that's pretty crazy. Think about it. They played Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night now. Three o'clock noon. They played in. That's that's the only five you can get in unless you're going to start Wednesday night Mac football in the NFL. And the Chiefs have played. It tells you how popular the Chiefs are and where everybody kind of wants the Chiefs in their slot. But and I don't say that uh, uh, from an arrogant standpoint. It's just the facts. But let's go back to your K State Iowa State analogy. We could do it. I could do a yes, no, Bizarro with K State and Iowa State, and. I'll give you, gosh, some yeses would be, now you're going back in the ancient of days of when I'm being the voice of the Wildcats and remember a win in 1990, which was one of two conference wins that Coach Snyder needed to break through, and K-State played in the rain, cold rain, and, it, and Iowa State had a dude named Blaze Bryant, and he got nowhere. The Chiefs smothered him. Well, that was, that was like, well, it's K-State's just going to beat New Mexico State in western Illinois actually going to win conference games now. And it kind of started a bit of a dominance against Iowa State. Then I could give you a no where K-State's going to get a bowl bid, man. 93, going to get the first bowl, second in school history, and first since 82. And they go up and the streaker runs out of the stand. So it's a no and bizarro at the same time. It's like minus five wind chill in Ames. And K-State's kind of controlling this game. And then the naked dude runs out of the field and runs around like it's you know it's his birthday. I've seen him out there for five minutes. And that just got the crowd into a frenzy, and, and it was weird and crazy, and Iowa State wins 27-23. Oh, no bull bid. What's going to happen? Well, the K-State came back to get it. Another bizarro game up at Iowa State was the wind is blowing so much out of the north that the game was a 7-7 tie back before overtime, and Stan Weber was the quarterback, where the game was played between 130 and midfield, like a 20-yard field the whole game. And it was ridiculous. Um, so the K-State Iowa State series has had its own. You could do the whole yes, no, bizarro, open it up to your listeners, and they're going to come up with some more from that. So Raiders, Chiefs, Cyclones, Wildcats, 
Farmageddon is, uh, yeah, that's a good comparison. Well, the uh, as we wrap up here, Mitch, Raiders are 1-3. and three. What are some keys to this matchup for a Chiefs victory? The Raiders went to the lowest common denominator last week. I'm going to give Josh McDaniels credit. He's 0-3. He's in the Alamo mode. He's got to get a win. And what does he do? He goes back to Algebra 1. Something, Mitch, that I've rarely seen, I think, if ever in my brief 29 years in the National Football League, and that is there were 59 advancements in that game by the Raiders against the Broncos. That means completions versus rushes equal 59. 44 of the 59 came from two guys, Josh Jacobs and uh, Devontae Adams. Two guys. Adams had nine catches on 13 targets. Josh Jacobs had 28 runs and six catches. 75% of advancements were from two guys. So what did Josh McDaniels do? Renfro was still out with a concussion. I don't know what Darren Waller's doing, but he said, we're just going to give it to Jacobs every time, and if not, we're going to throw it uh, to Devontae Adams. That's it. Well, it won a game for him. I'm not sure it'll win this game, but I'm cons- you got to stop Josh Jacobs. Don't let him get going downhill. Uh, just like you stopped Jonathan Taylor in the Colt game if you're the Chiefs, and you stopped Leonard Fournette, I guess, the few times they ran him. Uh, or you got to defend him in the passing game, too, and that means open field tackling. I know it sounds like seventh-grade football, but the Chiefs win the game against the Buccaneers because Tom Brady was a part of those 27 throws. Oh, I'll check it down to Fournette. Hopefully he can break a tackle and run for 15. Well, the Chiefs were great in open field tackling. Fenton was awesome. He had three of them. Uh, and then the linebackers were out there as well. So, and Snead actually is a great open field tackler. But you've got to stop that with the Raiders because that's what they're going to try to do because right now they're in that mode. They're going to try to beat you with Algebra 1 and not with series and differential equations. Monday Night Football here on K-Man Raiders visiting the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. Mitch, appreciate the time, and I'll listen to your call. You got it, man. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Appreciate his time here on the game. That's going to wrap up Hour 1. We are, of course, a little bit late getting to your local news, but we'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, But I do want to preview quickly Hour number 2. We'll speak with Randy Peterson at 525. He's from not the uh, K-State women's basketball and soccer SID. I don't want any confusion. He's from the Domain Registers. We talk Iowa State football, but at 510, he's our Thursday guest. Curry Sexton. We'll talk Cats and Cyclones with Curry. Next, but right now, your local news.